0: You are listening to the podcast of Ice and Fire, episode 126 for the week of November 24th, 2013. Welcome back, everybody, to the longest running podcast dedicated to George R. R. Martin's Song of Ice and Fire series and occasionally HBO's Game of Thrones. Um, As always, this is Amin and this is Kyle. Yeah, it's just the two of us guys today, but uh, we are joined by a special guest, so why don't you introduce yourself and tell the listeners uh, who you are and, and, uh, and all that jazz. Let us know.
1: Yeah, hey everyone, this is Julia. I'm no true lady on the forums, and I'm mostly active in uh, Vassals of Kingsgrave. So you may have heard some of the podcasts that I've been featured on over there. Uh, Most recently, the Thor 2 review. And I also um, spearheaded the Feminism and Geek Culture podcast, which I know was a big big topic of conversation on the forums.
0: Feminism never sparks a debate. What are you talking about? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, so Amin got another uh, Vassals regular over here. This is good. Fantastic. Yeah. Excellent. So uh, when did, when, and how did you get into the series?
1: Um, the story starts way back in like 2002 or so. I was in college and dating a guy who was reading the books and I saw, I do believe it was um, Clash of Kings in his apartment one day and was like, what's that book about? And he actually told me quite a bit about everything he read up to that point. And so I knew about Ned dying. I knew about Cersei and Jamie having a relationship. And then when he finished, you know, basically spoiling the first two books for me, he <laughs> said, Yeah, but I don't think I'm going to finish reading it. I, it's going into weird places. I don't like what the author doing with it anymore. And then so, you promptly
2: broke up with him. because. Yeah,
1: <laughs> well, it took, it took like another year, but then I eventually did. Uh, because <laughs> of that, for that very specific reason and not having to do with anything else. Um, uh, but then, you know, fast forward to 2010, and I start seeing ads all over the place for Winter is Coming. And I'm like, that's that thing. That's that book series. And I sort of avoided it because I was like, oh, I don't have time to get involved with with anything this... Because I could already tell from the way people were talking about it online that it was like sucking people in like quicksand. And eventually one hungover Saturday morning, I look at my husband, different guy obviously than the one who <laughs> first introduced me to the books, very different. Um, and I said, do you want to watch this Game of Thrones thing? Because we're obviously not leaving the apartment today. And we ended up watching the whole first season in like a day and a half. We just couldn't stop. And from there I started reading the books and then I started reading a lot about it online. I found you guys and I think I've been listening for about two and a half years now. So yeah.
0: Sorry about that. (laughs) (laughs) so you you uh experienced sort of say Ned's death twice before you actually read it for yourself, huh
1: Well, I didn't understand how important it was because I was hearing about it from you know when someone isn't really into something but they're just like recalling it you know the way that they tell you how their day at work was yeah, so there's this guy Ned, and then he gets killed and it's sad and it's and yeah,
0: you just smile and nod, you're like "Oh, that's not okay, yep mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, it's like I had I had no idea that he liked high fantasy, so it was just kind of like, well, that's weird. You want to go get dinner now? Um, but it,
3: <laughs> bringing people it, together.
1: It, yeah, yeah, but really, the the books now that I understand what they're all about and have read and reread them, there really is something in it for everyone. You could you can get into the politics, into the uh warcraft you know i know that i mean likes to talk a lot about you know what the different armies are doing the different commanders you can talk about the relationships you can talk about it from almost an anthropological perspective of the world that george has created and how the characters operate and are forced to operate within it or you can just talk about the costumes which is what i like
0: (laughs) are you a cosplayer
1: uh no i'm not i just really appreciate pretty clothes okay yeah, nice. although I, we are, my husband and I are thinking about um, going as Loki and Frigga for Halloween next year. Because after, after we saw Thor 2, he was like, hey, I'm growing my hair out and it's kind of dark. What if I play Loki next year? And I was like, honey, you have no idea what you're getting yourself into. <laughs>
0: <laughs> He's like, Ooh, oh, i got to do yeah.
1: that. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's this whole subculture that you can't, you can't just dip a toe in it. You have to go whole hog. Go big or go home. <laughs>
0: Oh, Loki, he's a he's a hot commodity these days. Huh? Yeah. Very nice. Yeah, it certainly is the type of book where you can just, uh, I, I mean, there's so many characters and they're so varied. And I feel like almost everything you can imagine and any topic you want to discuss, you can find some sort of parallel within these books. And uh, that's a big reason how we've been talking about them for so long. Um, yeah. It's, great. it's fantastic.
1: And, yeah. And getting into the reread here, you know, as you go back and look at things that happened and in um, Clash of Kings and even Game of Thrones, you see this amazing storyteller that George is, you know, all these things that are foreshadowed or that come back. And you do have to wonder if he planned a lot of this all along or if it's just kind of worked out that way. But mm. probably a little bit of both. Mm. Oh. so what are we reading today guys oh wait two announcements. chapters but uh, announcements, two, two things to go
2: over really quickly amin
0: likes his announcements let's
2: yeah. do this yeah. well, well first of all i want to, to thank both over. you kyle and and then everybody else but you especially for marshalling people every day to vote for the podcast awards and all our listeners for voting every day because it was kind of an interesting 15 days where everyone was voting all the yeah. time so i wanted to give a thank you to everyone for that
0: yes thank you guys and uh results will be revealed in january i believe so yep. we'll see uh we'll see how we did See if yeah. house man would he kick some butt hopefully this will be the second shocker win for us so.
1: <laughs> yeah you forgot to say kyle that you are an award-winning podcast
0: uh we are yes yes uh, <laughs> i always feel weird saying like I, yeah. I know i'm like proud of it but i'm like oh, no, you know i just want to kind of be the podcast and do our thing
1: <laughs> no, you have, you have to toot your own horn a little bit. You guys deserve it. Oh,
0: well, thank you. You're, you're
2: not helping with our ego problem that we have. No, really. I can't even fit through the door right now.
0: So. <laughs> <laughs> What's announcement number two? I
2: mean. Oh, it's just um, sometimes people do f- a fan art related to what the podcast discusses. And this is talking about our Thanksgiving at Summerhall discussion. Pod's plight drew this little drawing for us. I have just posted a link here in the chat. So I thought we'd just mention it. And it'll, it's in our gallery now on the website thanksgiving at summer hall
0: <laughs> now this was this was you talking about how a turkey explodes when you cook it what was what was how did this come about again well Remind with us? the recent like frying turkey
2: trend there seems to be a lot of uh, fires that are started around thanksgiving so we decided to mix it up and we we're talking about how they were going to use like a pot of wildfire that's how like the tragedy at summer hall happened so he
0: threw <laughs> out that <laughs> Pretty cool drawing. Frying a turkey, burned down Summerhall. Oh. Well,
1: for for all we know about what happened at Summerhall, it's as plausible as any other theory at this uh, point.
0: Very true. <laughs> oh man, yeah, that's funny. I got a good cool pick.
2: All right, let's go into the chapters. I believe is our John five is our first one
1: yeah and i I mean i'm sorry for stepping on your toes there i'm just so used to being the one who hosts the podcast i've now hosted a three podcasts on vok that i just sort of go into host mode automatically so i'm sorry you're the host
3: that's
2: the point of vok is to give people a chance to to run their own podcast basically
0: yeah and that's also why we like having um guests on as well we just to just jump into discussion and and take it in different places that we haven't done and stuff so feel free to to chime in and 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 kind of direct here and there because uh that's all part of the fun fun of being being on yeah
1: well now that you guys have given me free reign, i'm gonna take a nap
0: i'll see you guys in like an hour so yeah
1: (laughs) so we're starting with john five from uh clash of kings correct sounds right to me so are you guys still doing the thing where you want the guest to read the uh, summary?
0: Yeah. Have okay. we only have we done that more? Than, we've only done that once, or did you do that on the last episode? That uh, I, I did. Yeah, I think we've done it twice in a row now. Oh, so oh gee. okay. It's, it's becoming one. tradition. Let's do it. All right. Like <laughs> it, can't week, it can't be can worse lazy. than mine. Okay.
1: <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, I'm I'm just gonna read off of Tower of the Hand as is tradition. <laughs> yes. It's it's, Th- it's Thanksgiving yeah, week, Thanksgiving. all about tradition. Nice. John is awakened by the blowing of a horn. He attends Lord Commander Mormont, who says Quorin Halfhand must have finally arrived and tells John to meet with him and send him to the Lord Commander's tent. Quorin had been expected days ago, and his failure to arrive has caused some dissension among the leadership. Sir Otten wants to return to Castle Black, while Sir Malador thought they should head back towards the Shadow Tower and find Quorin's trail. Thorn wants to attack Maz, arguing that the professionals of the Watch would roll right over the rabble despite the disparity in Numbers. that's a really great idea um though others point out that Mance has, has several competent commanders including Rattleshirt, elfin crow killer and harma dog's head despite hours of argument no decision was reached and it was decided to keep waiting a few more days john gets dolorous ed and hake started on preparing food for the new arrivals and then goes to find Quorin. he ru- he runs into sam on the way and tells him what is happening as the men from the shadow tower ride in john can tell they had trouble on the way John meets Corrin and takes him to the Lord Commander. Corrin r- reports that he encountered Elfin Crowkiller, Killer, who Mance had sent to scout the Wall. Elfin was killed, so a- yet another character we never even get to meet. Mm-hmm. Elfin was killed along with most of his men, but some escaped. Corrin lost four men and a dozen were wounded. Lord Commander Mormont and Corrin go to the Lord Commander's tent to talk. John is worried about morale. Last night he chanced upon several black brothers, including Chet and Lark, talking. They do not want to fight the Wildings, and Chet hinted that they may act if Mormont tries to make them fight. He left quickly after being noticed, fingering his new dragonglass dagger. He has made three daggers from the cache of dragonglass discovered by Ghost, giving the other two to Gren and the Lord Commander, the old horn he gave to Sam. John attends the Lord Commander as he and Quorin contemplate what to do next. Quorin reports that man- Mance's host is large with Rattleshirt, the Weeper, and all the other chiefs great and small assembled in an army including wargs and mammoths. They discuss manning some of the abandoned castles along the wall and increasing patrols. Quarren reports that his man Eben interrogated a captive that told him Mance is in the f- Frostfangs looking for some magic that will breach the wall. Thorne says they must find out what it is. He proposes three patrols to go up into the mountains, led by Jarman, Thorne, and himself. Mormont agrees. Thorne says he wants John to be part of his group, and the Lord Commander gives his assent. Yeah.
0: All right. So I don't feel like too much happens in this chapter. (laughs) Well, we
1: always say that. We always say that. And then by the end of the the reread, everyone's like, you know what? This was a really important chapter.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So, you know what? I'm bummed that we never get to meet Alfin Crow Killer. He sounds like a real nice guy.
1: Yeah. <laughs> sounds like the kind of guy you'd like to have a beer with.
0: Yeah. I wonder. Hmm. But, um, but we do meet Corrin in this one. This mm-hmm. is our first taste of Corrin, right? Mm-hmm. And he's um, pretty badass. We, first off, we get the whole description about how uh, he's only got a finger and a thumb on one hand because he caught a wildling's axe. Mm-hmm. Then sprayed blood in his face with his hurt hand and then <laughs> slew him. So, sounds like a badass introduction to me. I hope he, I wish I had that story to tell when I walked into a room.
1: <laughs> yeah, oh this, you want to know how this happened? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Long story. <laughs> you should see the
2: other guy. Yeah. But did he well, it, learn how to hmm? fight with his other hand? Is basically yeah. yeah. So he like relearned how to any still one of the best fighters mm. after that. He doesn't fight with his thumb
0: and finger anymore? So no, he I uses that for the horse.
1: Yeah, or, or like that's how he eats or something, who knows. Um, I thought this was a really important chapter in that we start getting a sense of what life is really like for the Night's Watch and just how we sort of have these two camps of people who are really serious about the job mm. and then the other people who are basically the penal colony and they're they're the ones who are going to end up causing trouble down the road, um, assassinating Mormont and then assassinating John basically. That, that's really the big takeaway I took from this chapter.
2: Well, And a lot of the good people are dying off. There's a problem, mm-hmm. even though the balance is, was already unstable. Although I wouldn't, I'm not sure, sure about the John one, because I'm pro- there's probably some serious people in that group that thought they were doing the right thing, not just criminals for that one.
1: Yeah, but I think this was the first chapter where I really started thinking, you know, guys, maybe, maybe having a penal colony being your only defense yeah. between the great unknown wasn't the best idea. You know, basically, if if you know the Antarctic was full of monsters, and we were like, "Hey, Australia, it's all it's all up to you." That yeah, I, I don't <laughs> think that would have gone too well.
0: He does come across um, Chet and them doing their mm-hmm. little planning, yep. which we don't see take effect until the beginning of. Oh no! Wait, hold on. Where am I? To, yeah, yeah, the beginning of storm, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, it, I, I find this kind of neat. Like John overhears them; they're they're outright going, "Oh, we're gonna kill. We're probably gonna kill Lord Commander Mormont." And John's like, "Oh, they're just mad. Plus, they're my brothers. I don't want to rat them out." How do you guys feel about his decision in that case? Like, should he have done something?
1: Well, in retrospect, of course. But I think at the time, it's one of those things. Like, it it it, it makes sense given John's character development at that moment and him still being really wanting to be a part of the so called family of the watch. And, you know, he wants things to be okay and to work out. Mm-hmm. And, and if, you know, he learns very quickly that they're not going to work out just because he wants them to.
2: You don't know what the Lord commander would have done. Anyways, he might've not done anything because again, yeah. idle chat. Kind of. I like. can yeah. just
0: imagine Mormont just being like, yeah, you know how many threats I have against me every single day?
1: That's exactly. It. Mm. Yeah, kind of comes with the job.
0: Mm, indeed. So the big part of this chapter to me um, is uh, the distribution of dragon glass. Mm. He kind of went through and he talked about every, almost every single person that John had given a dragon glass dagger to. Kind of like set, it seemed like he was setting that up for like some other battle where these people are going to survive because John gave them a, a dagger. But then after that, they talk about the horn. And this yes. damn horn, I just don't <laughs> understand. You guys need to clarify all this for me. There's this horn, and then there's the um, the Iron Islands horn. And one of them is the dragon horn, and one of them is the wall horn. But then it's not really the wall horn, and he never found the horn of Joramon. But the thi- can, can you clarify what is going on with this horn business?
1: I think i think I figured it out. So the one that Euron has is the supposed Um, dragon taming horn that seems to have some magical properties that whoever blows the horn dies but they haven't actually used it on a dragon yet that's a terrible
0: magical property by the way
1: (laughs) yeah well I mean it just goes with the theme of yeah there's magic but it's terrible Um, (laughs) uh, and so that's that's the horn that Euron has and it's like this big oversized scary looking thing with like runes all over it and then we know that Mance was looking for the uh, mythical horn of winter by opening up all these graves which regret later tells us was you know a bad thing for him to do because he's let out all sorts of ghosts and i don't know if that has anything to do with anything but i remember her saying that and then john just randomly stumbles upon this you know that that buried treasure of the obsidian and uh then the horn and i think the horn like has a crack in it or something but it looks like a regular old horn and I think that there's a good chance that that's the Horn of Winter, but whether or not it's going to bring down the wall remains to be seen. So does, does, that, does that help you, Kyle? 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 Sorry, Wait.
0: I was on mute there because I'm eating a meatball sandwich. Um, <laughs> so the horn, <laughs> the horn that, did, did Mance found a horn, right?
1: No, he never did. So he yeah. was just
0: digging up stuff, releasing ghosts, but never found a horn. Correct. Okay. So what do we think happened? Do we think, because uh, it was probably there, did like Coldhands be- slash Benjin or whatever um, uh, find it before Mance and package it away and hide it? Or did Benjin find it in his ranging and put it
2: there? Or well, Whoever put the daggers and the rest of the stuff put that horn there. Like the theory, yeah, yeah. if you follow the MS Paint project theory, then that is the horn of Winter and okay. it can bring down the wall. <laughs> I didn't even know if that thing sword. existed. Like how, like who um, made it and how how would it work? But but honorable. it seems like
0: Mance had had good knowledge that the horn was in the was it the Frostfangs the horn was where he was looking for it. Hmm. Um, he just didn't find it. Yeah. So did somebody find it before him?
1: Um, presumably, I don't think we're ever going to find out who put the dragon glass and the horn there. Um, you know, it may have been. Sitting there all along, it may not have been put there by any of the contemporaries of the story. That may have just been its hiding place for all long time. Well, they do time.
0: mention when they find. Oh, that's right. It's it does fresh.
1: look. That's it's right. It looks like it's fresh. Um, I mean, then it could have been Benjamin. I mean, it could have been any of the brothers who went north and you know later disappeared. Although it's well, why why they didn't leave some kind of a note saying hey these uh, these daggers seem to kill others and also we think this might be the horn of winter but that would have been too easy.
0: Well, he didn't have a pen handy. It's not that easy okay. to just kind of use it his blood back to, back to write yeah, it. Yeah,
1: write it in blood. This is this blood? is but
0: the. But if unschooled. it's cold hands, does he have blood?
2: But I mean, they, they had the isn't it ghost that finds it though? So uh, yeah, I think it's, ghost
0: kind of leads in there. Yeah,
2: absolutely. Yeah, so it's related to that.
0: So it's, so if if this broken horn is the horn of winter john's mentioned john mentioned in this chapter how he tried to blow it several times and there's no sound out of it and he mm-hmm. just gave it to sam and he's like here make a make a, um, a beer horn out of it um an ale horn um so if that is the horn of winter are they gonna have to fix it mm. well Do they, they meld it together what's gonna so maybe don't have what?
2: to make a sound maybe if you just blow it by the wall it collapses the wall like some frequency other than what you can hear <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that's true that's true Thinking of Pirates of the Dark Water and the guy's broken sword, um, but um, yeah, I, what, what do you do? You guys think this horn is gonna play a part in it? Do you think that it's gonna get fixed? Do you guys? I mean, this this horn seems like the, not just a ton, not just a, a big deal. It seems like a huge deal. Yeah. If this is the thing that's going to bring down the wall and make the others an actual threat to the realm.
1: Yeah, I mean, I remember when it was first introduced and John tries to blow it, and I remember just cringing while reading it, being like, no, don't, don't, you know, it's just, but uh, then nothing happens. Um, I I really hope this is something that doesn't get just sort of forgotten, you know, like, uh, oh, who's who's that one guy who's um, Mira and Jojen's dad, who we...
0: (sighs) howland
1: yeah howland reed like it, it doesn't just go off into howland reed's magical pocket dimension of forgotten characters and plot <laughs> devices
0: oh we're gonna uh, meet howland we're gonna meet that guy god <laughs> please we better meet that guy oh man
1: yeah and he'll just like have all the answers to everything and it will just be like a whole chapter of him just going through bullet points this is what this means this is what happened here this is whose john parents really are and yeah, no that would never happen Oh, this is also where we start hearing more and more about, you know, these mythical things and magic that there's this army of wargs and mammoths coming, um, towards them. It's, which up until this point, it seemed like we were in a very realistic medieval world. And this is part of, you know, the little inklings of magic coming back and starting to encroach on the real world, so to speak. Mm. I thought that was interesting.
0: Yeah. When John walks into the tent, uh, with corn and Mormont there, um, corns in the middle of a sentence where he's like oh yeah they've got wildlings and wargs and skin changers and mammoths and he doesn't mention giants he Mm. might have already but um he's definitely rambling off these things and you're like whoa wait a minute (laughs) what's going on now um so we get all that how come you guys don't think uh there there are any giants ever how come you don't think there were any ever south of the wall or were they? They just get killed. How come uh, none of them want to well, hang out and be part of the kingdom? they ki- helped build Winterfell. Instead? Is the uh, is the story? Okay, so, but that was you know that yeah. was ages and ages ago. How how come there isn't a a um a giant that gets past the wall somehow with some other wildlings and he's like, oh, I want to join a kingdom. I want to become a knight. Hey. Like, <laughs> what's going on? Don't don't any of these giants want to be part of the the um the regular world?
1: Well, I mean, why are there no mammoths south of the wall? Why are there? You know, there's, there's lots of questions about why these things are up there and not in other places. I mean, it could just be sort of a natural distribution of different kinds of wildlife, so to speak. You know, that you're not going to see a snake up in the north, where you know, whereas you wouldn't see a woolly mammoth in Dorn. Hmm. It, it could, it could just be as simple as just you know environmental factors.
0: Far too scientific for
2: me. They just no, withdrew over time. I mean, so did the children. This kind of—they yeah. weren't a downturn until until recently.
3: Getcha.
0: Yeah.
2: They had too much inbreeding in the giants and the mammoths. <laughs> <laughs> um. Here, here's a important line when Dolores Ed talks about how they were as useful as nipples on a knight's breastplate.
1: Is that the first time we hear that phrase?
2: I think it's in there a few times in the books. Yeah, because Tyrion oh. says it at some point too, yeah. right? I think it, I think apparently it's a reference to like the Batman movies. Like, George, putting that <laughs> putting that in there. I
1: did think about that the first time I read that line. And I was like, no, can't be. Can't be. But <laughs> if it is, that's great. That makes me love George even more.
0: Oh, George. I'm on Schumacher. Um,
2: yeah. I, I just like the way the horn is described. You're like, Sam likes things. Even old, useless, worthless like, things. It's like, oh, you know, there's something more to this horn. I don't know if it's going to bring the whole wall down like I, we yeah. think the wall is going to fall but is it going to just fall because of a horn I don't know. And, like dissolve or are they just going to get through it no.
0: but it, it, it doesn't it seems like too much of a coincidence to have them talk about that horn In the same chapter where they talk about Mance trying to find something that will bring down the wall. Yeah, a magic that will breach the wall.
1: And also at this point, we don't know why Mance is trying to get south of the wall. We don't yet know, really, that there's this encroaching threat that is causing the Wildings to want to, you know, get the hell out of Dodge.
2: I want to say that uh, Thorin Smallwood was interesting. He's dead now, though, right? I think he died in the third book. But uh, he seems like a feisty character. (laughs) Small, he seems a, like, I thought I'm a little like bulldog. He's like trying to make up for something. I don't know
0: what, though. Thor well, if Smallwood. it's a
1: character I don't actively remember, I just assume they're dead, so.
0: <laughs> yeah. Thorin Smallwood. He's friends with Sir Alistair. They
2: send out ravens to every king, and they're like, if someone wants to be the king, they should defend it. Mm-hmm. realm. So that's interesting with Stannis coming up there.
1: Yeah, and that was something really quick in, in the TV show that I didn't like the way they handled that. It was supposed to be this great sort of redemptive moment for Stannis, and then they just turned it into Melisandre just coming in and being like, yeah, we should do this because I think we should, you know, not instead of it, him, it being Stannis's choice. So that was just a little something that bothered me in the show last season. But neither here nor there. Yeah,
0: I so, agree So with I hear that Thorne Smallwood was the guy who charged the zombie bear and mm-hmm. had his head taken off at the shoulders by the bear.
1: Metal. It's very metal of him. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so that Salad happened in that black screen in the
1: the show? Mm.
2: All right, I, I'm good to go. Next. Oh, chapter. I wanted to mention one. The one. The last thing is this Ravens. I always pay attention to the Ravens now and what they mm-hmm. say because you never know if, if if Blood Raven is listening or saying something. That's oh. So what did you get from this he just said, Well, all he always says is, like, wait, wait, when they're like, something waits in the mountains. And then he says, die, 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 die. So,
0: <laughs> so that's probably him saying, uh, wait and die at the Battle of <laughs> the Fist of the First <laughs> Men.
2: I don't know. It's hard to tell when it's the raven
0: and when it's him. But at <laughs> the time, it could be him. We'll right. do a blood raven count. We'll check in with you at the end of every chapter about blood raven. <laughs> okay, let's go on to the next chapter.
1: All right, so the next chapter is Tyrion 10. Um, it is the still the aftermath of the big riot in King's Landing. Tyrion meets with Lancel in the St- Sept and is informed that Cersei is having Lord Giles take Tommen to Rosby in disguise to keep him away from the mob and Tyrion. Um, but Tyrion nixes that plan, gets Bronn in there to go ahead and get Tommen back let's see, uh, the city's now all under curfew, which makes these citizens hate Tyrion even more, but it is helping to cut down on violence. Um, and so we meet up with Tyrion on his way to Chitayas. Is that how we say it?
0: Chittayas. I kind of like that better actually.
1: Okay. He's going to Chitayas to see Shay. Um, and, he gets impatient while waiting and goes directly to where Shay is staying. And that's where he meets Simon Silvertongue. Um, Bastard. Yeah. And they have their little exchange. And then he goes up to see Shay. They do their little thing. And then um, Tyrion goes outside to meet up with Varys, who is dressed as a be- beggar, which is calling back to his days as a mummer because he's like this master of disguise. Um, but Shay is able to recognize who Varys is, which is a surprise to both Tyrion and Varys. And, uh, Varys brings root, bring, brings news that Courtney Penrose is dead and Storm's End, um, has been taken by Stannis. And Tyrion now wants to move Shay back to the Red Keep to keep her safe, but he would have to disguise her as a servant. So she doesn't like that idea at all because she's sort of been living it up as an official mistress. Um, and then Tyrion says, no, 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 you're not going to be safe here. And he talks about Tysha and uh, then she accepts his offer. And um, let's see. Uh Then Tyrion finds out about how there is this secret passage in the Tower of the Hand, which Varys tells him about, so he'll be able to uh, visit Shae secretly. And then they talk a little bit, again, about the return of magic. That comes up again. Uh, They talk about what actually happened to Sir Courtney Penrose, how did he die. Uh, There's a story going around that he threw himself off the tower instead of... um, uh, surrendering to Stannis but Varys thinks that magic was involved which Tyrion was is like uh what and then uh Varys tells his whole story about his traumatic childhood about how he was um mutilated by that wizard and he believes in magic and hates it because of that mm. and at the end of the chapter um uh we just get sort of a lay of the land in terms of where all the various forces are at the moment. Um, and uh, Tyrion is, is musing about how the only thing standing between Stannis and Chaos is him.
0: I feel like we have another Batman reference in this chapter, and that's where? Varys being a master of disguise. For those of you who only see the Batman movies, the recent Batman movies, you may not remember that Bruce Wayne Batman is a master of disguise as well. (laughs) The ones who watched the old Batman cartoon back in the 90s, you guys will remember that. But uh, Mm -hmm. yeah, so Mm -hmm. (laughs) as you were reading, doing that summary, I was like, oh, he must really like Batman.
1: (laughs) Well, who doesn't like Batman?
0: (laughs) Exactly. Uh, See all you Superman lovers out there. Um, So anyway, yeah, that's just kind of a goofy thought i had well, but, uh, I,
1: I was also thinking in terms of sherlock holmes who in the original you know stories is a master of disguise as well and mm-hmm. you see that a little bit in the modern incarnations so you know, but i will go with the batman reference just because i'm biased towards <laughs> batman
0: I'm gonna, I'm gonna google right now is george r martin a batman fan i will yeah. catch you up with the results in just a minute.
1: okay <laughs> um yeah I think that actually uh, this book uh, clash is really the height of Tyrion's likability as a character personally. Mm. That when he's 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 the hand of the king and he is trying really hard to make everything go well, but it seems like it's never good enough. And at every turn, he is mocked and feared and hated and just treated with this irrational, you know. um, uh anger and fear from everyone around him uh but for a brief shining moment he is a a good guy i mean as as good as anyone can possibly be in this series that's that's my opinion
2: well you get hints of like stuff to come when he slaps shay and he's like never mock me not you kind of thing
0: oh i forgot about he slaps her and then he goes oh god no what did i do oh crap i didn't mean to do that
3: Mm.
0: which i'm sure every every um abusive husband or abusive man probably does the same damn thing oh i I didn't mean to do that you made me do that oh god which is not a joking matter but yeah um,
1: but i mean it's not like they have a healthy relationship by any means the the relationship that Tyrion and shay have in the show is much healthier and it's going to be a lot harder they're going to have to have Tyrion fall hard and fast next season to make what he eventually does believable i think but, I mean, the thing is that all along it was a much more adversarial relationship um, in the books where Tyrion thinking about, oh, she only says she loves me because I'm paying her. And so he always has that that seed of doubt, whereas in the show they just – we don't see that at all.
2: Okay, let's see.
1: Are you guys both eating meatball subs now? Is that what's going on?
2: Nope, nope. Just, oh, just looking at notes <laughs> right now. I'm taking like, notes. <laughs> Looking at what I wrote down, yeah. But I mean, like, he, he's better than most of the guys, at least you see, like, in the books right now. But yeah, he, there is, like, that seed of stuff that you can see why he goes. I mean, he's going downhill in the fifth book, but even here, yeah. he's just like, just shut up. I don't want to listen to you. I just came here for one reason, <laughs> basically, mm-hmm. right? But I mean, she is, he kind of deceives himself, right? It, it is, like, a poor relationship, but he, then he sees it as being, like, kind of, like, a real
3: relationship.
1: Yeah, he's he's very torn that he wants to have a normal, nurturing, loving relationship, but he because of all the things that have happened to him in his life, he feels like this is all he can get. So it's yeah. it's pretty messed up.
0: What do you does think the of line get drawn? Where um, why isn't she his girl? Is he still like yeah? He's taking care of her and everything, but is he paying her every time he sleeps with her?
1: She's more of just like a, a kept mistress at this yeah. point, versus. You know, getting, getting coins every time that he's just taking care of her. I think, it, I think it has more to do with Tyrion's attitude about women and his past traumas mm-hmm. than, than their actual relationship. It's, what, it's the baggage he's bringing into the relationship, mm-hmm. making all these assumptions about Shay that he never actually asks her, how do you really feel about me?
0: So, so where does the line get drawn between um, Shay the whore or just a gold digging girlfriend? Like when he
2: says that he has, she has to give up the stuff she has right now to go undercover,
0: like she's
2: hesitant. Well, most people would be, but he, he's kind of worried about that. He's like, well, if she gives up, because right now she's got all the stuff, and then she'd have to go undercover.
1: Yeah, she's going to go from basically being a, a kept woman uh, to uh, yeah, having to live this very furtive, unpleasant life where she's going to be having to work like actually do stuff and we see that later on with her just being really sort of uppity around Sansa and Sansa just being like what's her deal she's a servant why is Mm -hmm. she being so resentful towards me
0: so is Tyrion afraid she'll leave him once she's not surrounded by once she can't wear nice jewels and isn't surrounded by guards and whatnot is he afraid she's going to leave him at that point or because of that
1: I, I think his main focus is on keeping her safe and making sure yep. that Cersei and his dad never find out about her. I think that's his main focus right now.
0: Yes, I agree. I'm just trying to find the reason why um, she's still a whore
1: and not his girlfriend. Oh, I, I, okay. I see what you're saying. I think it's because we just have that very sort of you know, um, concrete social structure in Westeros that there's not a lot of mobility. Um, and that, you know, we hear about uh, occasional instances where a man marries his mistress or marries his favorite prostitute. I think, um, who did that over in Essos? It was, oh God, the guy who helped out, um, Danny when she was younger, who was Varys' Valerio. Valerio. his his second wife was, it was implied that she was a a prostitute that he took out of a brothel. And because he did that, he was basically thrown out of of high society. Mm. So I think that, that the reason why Tyrion can't do that switch in his mind is not necessarily because of him, but because of the culture they're in.
0: Interesting. Yeah. Okay.
1: Does that make sense?
0: Yeah. Excellent. Thank you.
1: Okay. That's good.
0: No problem. There you go. So we also meet Simon Silvertongue mm. here. I get the I get the singers mixed up, guys. Do we see Simon Silvertongue again? Which which is he the one who gets tortured, or is that the other one, or the other one? He comes up with uh, a
2: song for Tyrion, and he only gets like half the song. He comes up with like the, the the Lord going to like see his secret lady song, right? Oh Jesus, that's right.
0: Is is he the one who gets tortured and 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 um, interrogated? I think that
1: no, was a better-looking one. Yeah, no, it's a different guy. It, um, he's the one who Tyrion just has Braun assassinate him to remove him as a threat. Yeah.
0: Okay, so he does die. Braun just kills him off. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so he's obviously not the one that ends up in the eerie later on. No,
1: no, that Lysa was... That. Yeah, no, that was the guy who... Yeah, he was the one who was kind of creeping on Sansa, and then he, he ends up being the... Uh, T- taking the fall there for Littlefinger, yeah.
0: okay. huh, the fall. Ah. Oh, what? <laughs> so the singer's
2: is getting tortured and beat up, and all, it's like Thank sad you. to be a singer. I think that's the Blue Bard is the one that's uh, kept in King's Landing.
0: The Blue, blue Bard. bard. Yeah. So you got the you got the Blue Bard, the one that's uh, tortured and confess in yeah. the whole Shay thing, uh, the Tyrion trial. Then you got Simon Silvertongue, who was just r- murdered by Bronn, uh, or s- killed by Bronn. Pontarian's order. Um, I don't even remember that happening. I, um, I think Blue
2: Bart is actually with uh, the Queen's uh, trial, or with um, Marguerite's trial. Yeah.
1: Because there's a whole bunch of guys who get. Oh, um, that's right. Yes. out, uh, and he's the only thing. one who
2: sticks to the story because he's being tortured so badly by Kyburn, way worse than the septul.
0: So he sticks to the story. It's kind of <laughs> crazy. And then, and then you've got the one in the Aerie. and the one in the Aerie, is that also the one that was uh, that went up to the Aerie and game of thrones with uh catelyn and Tyrion, and then
1: oh god don't ask me that it is
2: uh, uh, because i remember because they killed him off in this tv show earlier like instead of keeping him around so it is the same guy
0: okay so he's the one that confesses or that peter like convinces to talk up. she Lysa fell or whatever i can't remember the exact storyline yeah okay so he's he's just the airy you got the airy guy (laughs) <laughs> and you got a whole bunch of kings landing okay
1: mm-hmm. uh, woo,
0: i'm getting them all mixed up and
2: you got the ones betting with Janet lannister, too, jenna lannister so. jenna lannister
0: yeah tom seven strings
1: oh uh, but, yeah he's the
0: best one out of all of them i mean he's the man
1: <laughs> also the important takeaway is how we hear about uh varus's tragic past and just oh, again yes. these inklings of, of magic being real and it's just, it's it's out there somewhere waiting to come back.
2: Yeah, who do you think that, like, what that guy was doing in the story? Like, who was he talking to, another sorcerer or to some...
1: He was probably trying to su- summon a demon or something like that. Um, it, it, I think it kind of goes along with this theme that up until the dragons were reborn, people who were practicing, who were still practicing magic, there was only a few of them, yeah. and it didn't go too well for them. You think... Uh, I think it was discussed in last week's um, podcast where uh, Danny is walking around one of the free cities or something and they see a fire um, magician and he's able to do a lot more than he was previously. Yes. Like, yeah, before he can only like conjure a little bit. And now he can like do a whole ladder of fire. Yeah. So um, I think it's kind of telling us a little bit about the state of magic before the events of the the current story and that it's gone out of the world and it's just, yeah, like people, it's it's like trying to turn over a car in the middle of winter. It's just, it's not happening. Mm.
3: Um,
1: So to me, that says we have, you know, uh, magicians resorting to really, really extreme methods like, you know, mutilating a child to try to do whatever they're trying to do.
0: So riddle me this. Yeah. Varys tells a story. He hates magic. He hates everything having to do with magic. He hates Stannis because he's got a magic uh, lady by his yeah. side. He hates magic. Pure and utter hatred. Why is he so for Daenerys coming back to reclaim the throne?
1: Because he doesn't necessarily see the dragons as magical, maybe? Or
0: well, or or
2: Daenerys is not his ultimate goal, Aegon it, is. Yeah, yeah. Like Daenerys yeah. is just a tool to be used. Mm. Um, because this was before she even had the dragons when they were helping her out. They were going to just use her and, and her army. Because now we don't know what he thinks about her.
3: Mm. Yeah.
1: And, and also, it seems like the actual truth of the stuff she's been doing in Essos has only really reached Westeros in rumor. And I mean, we can assume that Varys is more informed than most people, but even then, he may not know the whole story of what she's been getting up to. And also we got to remember that before uh, Robert's rebellion the Targaryens had not had dragons for a really long time. So maybe yeah. in Varys's mind he no longer associates that dynasty with magic just because it had not been a part of what they did for a long time until the great turkey Friar disaster at Summerhall.
2: <laughs> uh, do you, do you believe his story like or do you think he's changed some things? I mean he kind of reminds me of um, well you you would know Kyle from like watching DS9 Garrick. Like you never know Ooh. if he's telling half a story
0: or lying or that sort of thing. Interesting. But there's always a hint of truth in it, I feel.
1: Mm. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I'm always prepared in, in in a series like this that sometimes when a character says something, they are telling the truth. And it's always when you least expect it.
0: Mm. Yeah. I don't know. I can't help but believe Larry's. In this story, I just, I, I, reading it. I believe it wholeheartedly. I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe that happened. No wonder he's so, he's so determined to, to, to follow what he's after. Like to just go get whatever his ultimate, excuse me, whatever his ultimate plan is. Um, uh, Do you guys read this and not believe it?
1: Um, I feel no reason not to believe it.
3: Yeah.
2: I think it's, I think it's like 90% true. There might be a 10% change Mm. in there, but seems true
1: since since he is a mummer since he is a performer by by his very nature he's probably embellished a little bit for dramatic effect but i mean how else would he have gotten you know all of that part of him just chopped off i mean it doesn't seem you know he he wasn't in the unsullied he it it just it it seems like as plausible as anything else
0: oh it's pretty gruesome by the way that's it's just so weird because you know he he takes some root and stem and he does all his magic and hoopla and everything, and then obviously there's a time lapse um, in his story because he's like, yeah, that all happened, and then and then later on he just kind of let me go, and so he he has he, he obviously had time to heal and this guy took care of him enough so that he didn't bleed out and die mm-hmm. from his um, destemming, um, but uh, mm-hmm. yeah, so there's this, there must be this time frame in between. <laughs> when it happened and when he was released from this guy. Just see oh I feel like there's just a chunk of the story that I'm like, what else happened in there?
1: I would say we don't want to know.
0: Yeah. Uh, just boof. just
1: just to assume that it was nothing good.
0: Yeah. Crazy.
1: Yeah. <sighs> hey Kyle, I hear your little birds over there. Oh, can oh, you? Yeah, I can hear just this, this very faint tweet
0: tweet. Well, tweet speaking tweet. of varies, right? <laughs> um they're actually they're not Kyle, very loud. Tell us the story of your backstory now? Oh, guys! When I was a young boy, I had a master. <laughs> um, no, they're they're quiet today. Actually, right before we started, I had a weed whacker guy right outside my front window, so I almost had to—I um, I don't know what—murder him, I guess. Um, <laughs> so yeah, so back to the chapter. What else have we got going on here? What else happens in this? things one? on my part. I have mm-hmm. one: is Tyrion talks about
2: how he wants—he was thinking about getting something for the pain in his shoulder or something or elbow. But he's like he doesn't trust Maesters anymore. He doesn't know what they're up to. So that was interesting. That
1: oh, going into the, the Grand Maester conspiracy theory.
2: Just bringing the distrust of Maesters that early in the series, and then they also talk about the plan to, as you said, to to like take away Tommen to safety.
0: Yes, let's that. discuss this because this okay. never comes to fruition. Um. Well, it happens, but it's taken like it changes, right? I think Tyrion interferes. I'm trying to call. What happens with this plan? Because I was reading it and I was like, what? He's supposed to go to Rosby? I don't remember this part.
1: Because well, Tommen uh, definitely stays in King's Landing. Um,
0: what is it that happens that that? Well, I think
2: Tyrion that? takes, con- doesn't he take control of Tommen though? Because he, he uses Tommen as a threat later on. Like, he takes Tommen into his custody.
0: That's he does, but, do that. but he's saying in this chapter that it's a good, it's like one of Cersei's good ideas to send him away.
1: Just I can't recall. What the
0: heck happens that changes all this around?
1: Yeah, I don't remember either.
2: I know there's something up with Rosby later on. Like you keep Rosby's like locked down, and nobody's allowed to go into it. And there's theories about who might be there. But
0: uh, where is Rosby? Let me get my map out.
2: Here see the map open here.
0: <laughs> where is Rosby? I'm gonna look up. Uh, That's a bad map. Lord. Oh, there it is. Whitewater. Um, it is north, east. It is just northeast of King's Landing, between King's Landing and Duskendale. So uh, it's not that far away. It's like the closest um, landmark, pretty much, to King's Landing.
2: They mm-hmm. talk about the Hound being the only one to be worried about on the Kingsguard. Everyone else could be handled.
0: Yeah. That, wow. Talk about talk about sinking low, right? The Kingsguard used to be the best of the best, and now they're just like a bunch of chumps, and nobody even takes them seriously. That's so. That's so sad. Gerald Hightower would be rolling in his grave if he saw this.
2: Yeah. Jacelyn obeys Tyrion's orders. Takes. T- Tommen on the way to Rosby, and then takes Rosby in prisoner.
0: Wow, I cannot remember. What happens with that?
2: Yeah, it makes sense to get Tommen out of there.
0: You shouldn't have everybody there if
2: Santa shows up.
0: After Bywater is killed in the Battle of the Blackwater, Cersei is able to have Tommen retrieved and brought back to King's Landing by the Kettleback Kettleblack Brothers. Oh. So, so Tommen did go off to Rosby?
1: Okay, I guess so. And just came back?
0: Wow, I don't remember that at all.
1: Because well, you don't see it he. in
0: first person,
2: right? You just hear about it.
1: Yeah, and then also in the show we have that scene with, with Cersei oh, about yeah. to commit suicide and and poison Tommen with her. So she like in the, in the show Tommen was still there. So that's why I think it was confusing.
3: Mm.
2: That's actually one other thing to mention in the show. I guess as we finish off is is mm-hmm. the whole wizard thing, right? Because he actually yeah. see the guy responsible for it brought to Varys.
0: Oh, that's true. Yes, and we don't have anything like that in the book. Did
2: you like that, or you didn't like that?
0: I um, mean, I, I didn't mind it. I thought it was kind of, you know, visually pretty creepy and memorable in the show, but um, uh, I don't know really what it, what it does mm-hmm. for me.
1: Um. <laughs> to me, it set up Varys as this guy not to be trifled with, yes. and is maybe a little bit of foreshadowing about, you know, about how powerful and sc- like by the end of dance with dragons, he's this scary. Yeah. He's, you know, he starts off being yes. kind of yeah. like this, this guy, like I go shopping with him. He seems cool. But by the end of dance, it's just like, you are terrifying. And yeah, so I feel like it's almost foreshadowing for, you know, him finally stripping away the last of his mummers farce of, you know, just being this sort of like, like soft, nice guy and just showing himself for being, whatever it is he really is a black fire who knows but
0: uh yeah it seems like all his plans are kind of coming to a head
1: mm-hmm. around,
0: around the dance and he's just he's just stepping up his game and there's no more um you know <laughs> nice slipper footing around um, yes but uh actually he's like all right shit's hitting the fan it's time to step up and we got to make this happen
1: exactly um Hey, really quick, I, I know uh, you have to get going, uh, Kyle, but uh, to go back to how we were talking about um, uh, Varys' story and whether or not we believe him and you know, the very end of Dance of Dragons, how there's the big um, debate over whether or not Aegon really is really Aegon and how, well, uh, Varys had no reason to lie to to Kevin You know, in and, and that moment when he says that Aegon was real. But... Did he really say that Aegon was real? I don't think he did.
0: I haven't done my dance reread yet.
1: So. Okay. Well, we have over V. Okay. <laughs> Step it up, man.
2: I know. <laughs> Jeez. He doesn't. Yeah, he really talks about uh, how good of a ruler he'll be, which doesn't really relate to whether he's got the blood. He's Just saying exactly. he's gonna be a great great ruler, which is what yeah. matters.
0: I yeah, want no. to believe it so bad. I wanna. You want to believe it is actually him? Yes, I do. I. Um. Yeah. I, I, I just... I don't know. I want to believe like Mulder here. Um,
1: <laughs> yeah, no, not, yeah. like how I really want to believe that the Hound is still alive and that he and Sansa are going to get reunited, even though every single thing I see about that is just like, no, they're never going to see each other again. Oh, Give it up to No, him. he's
0: alive. the see each other is a difficult part. I don't want that. Kill that guy. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> now they're going to come um, for you root and stem, Kyle. So. Wait, now I'm getting confused. No, I want... <laughs> I want um, Aegon to be. Um, maybe I don't want him to be Aegon. I want him to be a Blackfire. That's what sure. I yeah. want. Whether or not he is Aegon, and the Blackfires are just using him, and he doesn't know any better because he was just a young kid when he got taken away. Um, or what? I, I want like. The return of the Black Fires. that's what i want i want blackfire rebellion part two i want blackfire the rebellion never ended it's still going on to this day yeah. um i'm such a big fan of that storyline that that's what i want that to be cool. you
1: just like she's a sea star that's what it is
0: oh gosh so sexy <laughs> yeah. you know it yeah so that's what i'm hoping we'll see um But, yeah, Varys doesn't – why would he lie at that point, I guess? I mean, well, it's one thing when you start – when you lie enough, when you tell the same lie over and over again, it becomes Mm -hmm. real to you. Like I know I've told little white lies again and again and again to the point where I one day I just go, wait a minute. That didn't actually happen, did it? Yeah. um, (laughs) So, (laughs) mom, I hope you're not listening. No. Um, But, yeah, so you you just say things over and over again. It becomes second nature. Um, You just – that's just how you answer. That's just what you say. It becomes that. Uh, that becomes the reality. Yeah. In a way. But the
1: the well the piece the piece of dialogue that I focus in on is where you know Kevin in his death death row says no Aegon is dead and instead of answering no he's alive, um, Varys says no he's here, which to me is a big distinction. Mm. Yeah. That. You know, that that Aegon quote unquote is here now and it don't it don't it doesn't matter whether or not the original baby Aegon is alive or not they have resurrected the idea of him
3: yeah
1: and that's I mean that's really what it means to be a pretender it's like if people believe you are who you say you are it doesn't matter if you are or not yeah um, I don't know why I went off on that tangent it just seemed very important at the time
0: <laughs> We yeah. never go off on tangents here in the
1: book no. Never. Oh. So um, anything else about this chapter, guys? Um just that it's Tyrion just gearing up for again the battle of Blackwater and, and realizing um not unhappily that he is all that stands between the city and, and ruin.
0: Yeah. He kinda has that moment at the end where like, it's all me now. Let's mm-hmm. do this. It's like they hate me, but they're gonna love me when I save them. <laughs>
1: Which I think was something that Peter Dinklage did a really nice job with in season two of, you know, showing, you know, this sort of heroic Tyrion. I mean, I call uh, um, season two of Game of Thrones the Peter Dinklage Emmy reel because he was just so good for that whole season.
0: He was good. Oh. There are good men out there, dying. Let's go kill them, or whatever he
1: says. Yeah. Now that whole little scene, I could just watch it over and over again, and like see something different every time mm. in his performance. Mm.
0: I also get in this chapter. Here's just a kind of a little throwaway thought, but uh, um, a con- kind of confirmation that uh, Stannis is not that good in one one on one combat because
3: mm-hmm.
0: um, we get sir courtney penrose uh they talk about how he challenged him to one-on-one battle and i th- if courtney penrose was that confident this guy that we don't really know that well and probably wasn't even close to the greatest swordsman in westeros it's like yeah i'll challenge stannis i can us <laughs> oh you weren't there in the last uh, episode were you
2: yeah yeah okay like because we, we did cover that in the previous one oh you did yeah like, it could also be that he just wanted to like they said an honorable way to go or, and he said he, he would actually have like a, a champion if the king wanted the champion as well. So you think Stannis might be good
0: in one-on-one? Uh, I don't
2: think one? he's a great fighter. I think he's like like Tywin, he's a commander, right? But I, I don't think it was per se Courtney thought, oh, I can beat him one-on-one. One. It was just an option mm. to like almost cause... Like, he didn't expect Stannis to take it, and even if he did.
1: Yeah, gotcha. we've never seen any indication of Stannis being a hand-to-hand combat guy. He's an idea guy. Terrible yeah. ideas, but ideas yeah. nonetheless. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah.
2: Unless you go Very with the show, cool. status, then, then he would have killed Penrose in a second.
0: <laughs> All right. A- Anton, um, at Anton Belain on Twitter, when asked if George R. R. Martin is a Batman fan, says, uh, one would hope so, because Arya is pretty much Batman.
1: Yeah, yeah, when you think about it, yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and then we have, um, at Sandy1987Love, says, nah, Batman refuses to kill. so there we go let's see guys let's find out if george is a batman fan i think we've got a question for him when he finally comes on the show that hasn't been asked before
1: yeah i know you guys keep talking about someday that george will be on the show it's kind of like you're waiting for godot a little bit
0: (laughs) (laughs) he's coming
1: (laughs) it's like he knows that you guys exist yeah yeah but he's a a busy man and
0: If If he came on the show, we would get so many death threats and hate mail for distracting him from writing the books.
1: Exactly. (laughs) Do you guys think that Wins will actually be out in time for next Christmas, like some people think?
0: Um, I think he did a recent interview where he said, um, it's probably not going to be that soon. (laughs) That would be earliest. It could
2: could be out, but that would be the absolute earliest. It would be at the end of next
0: year. Yeah. Um... I, I said, I think, I think my prediction in the Last Guy's Night Out was uh, was like November 2014. Um, I'm gonna push that back. I don't think it's gonna be that soon anymore.
1: Well, I think whenever it comes out, it will be a holiday release. Yeah. That it. It will be later in the year, in time for the Christmas rush. But whether that's next year, or the year after, or the year after that, I don't even know.
0: Mm. All right. Anything else, guys, before we uh, sign off tonight? Not the chapters, but one is,
2: remember how we did that Christmas Filks episode last year? Ah, yes. Yes. We'd be up for doing that
0: again, but we need to get some new songs
2: submitted to us.
0: Yes, please. I know Amin seems to be kind of on the fence, but listeners, um, I am wholeheartedly for making this Christmas Filks an annual tradition. So please, take a listen to our old Filks episode, see what we did, check it out, see... uh, and, and write your own, make your own songs and please submit them. Cause we will definitely put them on the, on our podcast, on our filk episode, uh, grab a Christmas song, rewrite the lyrics in a game of Thrones or a song of ice and fire fashion and, uh, and submit them to us. Cause we love to hear them. And, um, that was the episode that won us the geeky award. So please, uh, submit this year again and, um. It's one of our most popular episodes, so let's do it again. I'm all for it. I'm already, I'm already um, working on a, on my end on a song or two. So please join me, guys. Awesome.
2: And uh, one one note in regards to me, um, I'm hopefully doing a trip to Europe this summer, and meeting oh, up cool. with some listeners in in uh, London. Another Cockney mood, but I may also go to mainland Europe. So like, if you're out there and you want to meet up or host podcasters or do something, let us know.
0: Ladies, this is your chance
1: yeah.
2: to
0: meet the Amin. <laughs>
1: I was the first one who called you that, the the, the Amin. I think think it was me anyway.
0: (laughs) Yeah, right. He's been calling himself that for years.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I'm the only Amin you need.
0: (laughs) Oh, excellent. Um, Well, thank you so much for joining us today. It was an absolute pleasure having you. And thanks for taking charge and leading this thing.
1: (laughs) Well, you know, sometimes... Somebody's got to do it. And if if Mimi's Ashley's not here, you know, someone's got to stop this from becoming an hour of dick jokes.
0: There we go. Exactly. (laughs) And uh, keep up the great work at Vassals of King's Grave. Um, uh, It's it's just gaining in popularity. So fantastic job with all that. I know I don't have much to do with that, but um, Yeah. yeah, keep that up. And um, thank you guys for listening once again to another episode of a podcast of Ice and Fire. Uh, Please keep in touch with us on Twitter at APOIAF, on our Facebook page, um, on our forums. Please uh, keep the chat going. Make those Christmas filks, submit them. Let's get that going. Uh, Yeah. Thank you guys so much for listening. See you next time.
1: What's up guys?
0: Not too much. How how are you today?
1: Uh well, let's see. It's a beautiful day in San Francisco, so I'm assuming the weather's much the same down in Los Angeles.
0: Uh yeah, it's it's gorgeous today. It's nice. Mm-hmm. Which is uh which is welcome since tomorrow and Friday are supposed to be rainy, rainy, rainy.
1: Yeah. Yeah, hmm. something you might not know, I mean, is that uh, when it rains in California, things get really really scary really quick. <laughs>
0: More the people than anything else. You mean the
1: yeah. driving
2: or something or if they're not used to driving in yeah. rain?
1: Yeah, people don't know how to drive and also flash flooding and lands like uh, mudslides become really common depending on where you are and how bad how bad it's raining.
0: Yeah, that's mm. frightening. I always, mm-hmm. think the, I always think the big ritzy houses on the Hollywood Hills over here are just going to slide off every time it rains.
1: Yeah, we've actually had that happen um, a couple years ago uh, down in Pacifica. A few houses just kind of fell off the cliff. Oh, jeez. Um, yeah. Anyway. I have to
0: say, though, that the probably the scariest moment of my life was mm-hmm. driving around San Francisco mm-hmm. in the rain on my manual
1: car. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I I was very insistent about not having a manual car when we moved out here, that yeah. we were going to yeah. have an automatic. <laughs> mm.
0: I was visiting a friend and looking for parking, and I don't think I've ever been that scared in my entire life.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I'm at the point where I will take visitors up the really bad hills on purpose just to scare them. But oh. yeah, so. <laughs> awesome. so if you ever come out here to visit again... I'll definitely do
0: that, too. Um, Oh, I've been down that road. No, thank you.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But there's really good ice cream on the other side, I promise.
0: Oh, I did have some good ice cream when I was up there.
2: (laughs) (laughs) We have a lot of people on uh, Skype right now. Oh. 60 people online right now or something. Let's see.
3: (laughs) Cool. Nice.
2: (laughs) People keep adding this account, which is good. Uh, Nice. All right. Uh, Kyle's got to go in the hard cap in about an hour, so I guess. I've got an, an hour. So
1: okay, you got a hard stop. All right. Um, do, well, yeah. I did want to uh, mention. Did you guys see this uh, news about Jack Gleason, who plays Joffrey, about how he's musing um, about quitting acting after Game of Thrones is finished? Uh,
0: yes, I, I posted something on the Facebook page about oh, that. Okay. How he uh, he plans to be done with it and 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 do um, charity work and whatnot. And mm-hmm. I thought that was uh pretty sweet. I we'll see how true it rings, but um uh, yeah interesting what a good guy what a swell fella
1: yeah he's he seems like one of the good ones i guess he he took the actress who plays sansa to her to her high school prom and all that i i kind of wonder if all this is making up for all the awful things that joffrey does
0: <laughs> oh i can't imagine joffrey and sansa going to the prom together that would be
1: well they 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 did if you've ever seen school of thrones on on youtube
0: oh yeah <laughs> yeah
2: um, that was a good show until the end. I think the last one of those wasn't mm-hmm. as up to quality.
1: Yeah, well, the way they ended it was it was on like one of those high notes that, you know, just because we know that we will never have a happy ending in the real story, it just didn't mm-hmm. ring true, I guess. Mm-hmm.
0: No. Um, want me to do the intro and we'll just get yeah. into it?
2: Yeah, we yeah. do the intro and we'll intro her and then I'll, I'll, a couple of quick announcements by me and then we'll do the chapter. Cool. Um <clears throat>
0: Let me find my little note thing. Uh, Julia, you are a writer yourself, I hear?
1: Uh, Yeah, no, I started off in journalism. And then last year, I left my job to work on my own um, project, writing a fantasy novel that's called The Evanarian, which I finished writing it. And now I'm just working on finding a publisher. And as part of that, I'm actually launching a Kickstarter campaign next week on December 2nd to get some funds to um, help get an agent. I'm going to actually hopefully hire a consultant because the way publishing works these days is you don't send stuff directly to a publisher. It just gets lost in the slush pile and thrown away. You have to get the attention of an agent, but that's like the new slush pile. So it's actually, unless you have like the next big thing for sure, you have to spend a lot of time and effort crafting your pitch for an agent. And while I thought I was doing pretty good with that myself on my own, it, it seems like there's just a lot of little ins and outs that I'm not really, you know, fully equipped for. So that's why I'm doing the Kickstarter. Um, so we have a uh, Facebook fan page for the Evanarian. The Evanarian is spelled E-V-E-N-A-R-I-A-N. Yeah, if it's something that people are interested in, you can look us up on Facebook and uh, get plugged into that. And I actually have an excerpt uh, from the novel that people can read.
2: But, like, so how uh, long have you been working on this? You said for the past year or longer? Uh, yeah,
1: I started it like last August and then I finished it. I, f- I, I finished it um, like spring this year, um, but I also had a baby in the interim. So it's been a lot of me. Just, you know, taking care of the baby and then just working on this and then just doing general life stuff. So I haven't been, you know, 100% on the book like I wanted to be. But, you know, it's still it's still happening. It's still it's still getting some love for me.